0: It was indeed awesome. Good morning, church. Uh, It's just good to hang out with you guys. Um, You know, just um, in the foyer talking, I mean, I have to be told, it's like, dude, you guys, it's like second service is ready. It's like, oh, oh, I got to go, I got to go. I'm just a talker. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, (laughs) I like to talk. Um, But I really love seeing your faces each and every time I'm here. I'm just so blessed uh, to have you guys here. Um, If you were here with us last week, um, I told you that I had every intention on finishing James chapter 1. And um, as you know, we didn't get, get through it because as I began to study it, that portion of scripture that we were in, as I was digging deeper into it, it just became apparent. There is no way I could do all of it justice um, by, by cutting it short or, or, or moving right through it. And so, again, it, was, it wasn't the case that I was going to finish. And so um, I am happy to announce to you this morning that we will be finishing John, uh, James chapter 1 this morning. We will. We will get through it. Last week's uh, title message um, was, Be Doers of the Word. And and the title of this week's message is the same one, just part two, because I didn't get to get through it. And so, one of the things, or one of the scriptures that that we went through last week, that really, again, kind of went with the message and goes with this message as well, um, is when Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He had just it's the last night that he is with them, and and he finishes washing his disciples' feet, and he tells them in in James, or John chapter thirteen. Um, he says to them, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And like the next verse, you skip a verse and you get to the next one, and he says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And it's all about doing. And that's what the message last week and this message is all about. This week's message is all about. It's about doing. If you know these things, blessed are you, Jesus said, as you do them, if you do them. And as I was studying for this morning, another scripture popped into mind as I was kind of going through this whole part. And it's, a, it's an action verse. It, it, it speaks of a command that he gives to his disciples. And this one he gives to them right as he is about to ascend up in heaven. And he tells them in, in uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen. He says, 19 and 20, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a promise. But he's giving them a command to go do. Go, go do this. I have shared with you in the past, and I'm sure I will share it again, that Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is not. You have not been saved. You have not been called to be a Christian, to sit by the sidelines and do nothing. You have not been called to sit there and applaud everybody else as they're in the game. Good for you. Good for you what you're doing. I just want to sit here and do nothing. We have not been called to that. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Each and every one of us, if you are saved, you have been called to be an active participant in what you have been called to go and to do. We have all been called to that. Now, it's hard to go and do if you don't know what you've been called to go and do. And I know that some of you are fairly new. Some of you guys are new to... To, to Christianity. Some of you guys have been around for a long time. But for those of you who are, who are new, basically, it, it, it's hard to know what to go do if you don't know what's in there. You need to learn what to go and do before you go and do it. But it really doesn't take that long To learn if you are in the Word of God on a daily basis, on a regular basis, it won't take that long for you to know or to learn what you are called to go and do. James. Chapter 1. We will be reading the whole chapter this morning. My heart is, as I read a lot to you guys, because you guys, you've been here for a while, you know that if we're in a, in a chapter, I will always go back to the beginning, for the most part, unless it's like super, super long, um, and, and go back and read the whole chapter to you. And th- this is my heart. I pray that you're going, again? It's like, yes, again. And hopefully by now, John or James chapter 1 is kind of like embedded in your heart somewhat. It's like, yeah, okay, we know about all the trials. We've been reading about them. But that's my heart in in reading it to you. I know sometimes it's a little taxing as you hear me reading. It's like, come on, come on, come on. You're doing okay, Zeke. keep on going. Um, But my heart is that you you will learn the Word of God even as we read it. So we will read the whole chapter. James, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, and unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as the flower of the field... He will pass away for no sooner has the sun risen when the burning heat than with the burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuit. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those. Who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted. I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted. When he is drawn away. By his own desires. And enticed. Then when desire has conceived. It gives birth to sin. And sin when it is full grown. Brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom we have no variation, there is no variation and no, or, nor shadow of turning. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows who, uh, in their trouble and to keep oneself spotted, unspotted from the world. Going back to verse twenty two, where we will begin. He says, But be not doers of the word, or be but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. What an amazing thing it is um, to think that we have received the implanted word that we talked about last week. The implanted word is what saves your soul. It has that power to save the soul of man. It has the power to take you from light or from death to life. It has the power to, to, to change your destination from hell to heaven. That's how much power the Word of God has, and it has been implanted in us. That's how much power God has given to us if you have received Jesus Christ, the Living Word. He has been implanted in your heart. He is able to save our souls. But what do you do with it once you hear it and receive it? I I think that this is where some Christians are totally satisfied being. Just hearing it and receiving it. They're satisfied. They're they're, they're satisfied to not have to move any further. They're okay with just sitting, sitting, listening, hearing. They're okay with not really maturing. They're okay with just doing nothing after the salvation. Now, granted, you are saved. The Bible says that everything will be passed through the fire and, and you will be saved even by the skin of your teeth, basically. And that's fine. The Bible does tell us in Romans ten seventeen. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what the Bible tells us, that you are saved by the hearing of the Word of God. But it's interesting before those verses right there in Romans 10:17 and, and verses 14 and 15, this is what it says: How then shall they call on him in whom, they, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. What he is saying there is that there is someone who has heard the word and has gone beyond just the hearing of the word. They began to do the word. They began to, to go out Um, so that others can hear the word they weren't satisfied with just hearing the the word they went beyond just hearing they began to go out and this is where you and i someone came to us or we were surrounded by someone who who shared the gospel with us and he says how how will they know unless they preach now it might not have been a preacher per se that preached to you and you received the word it's quite possible that that happened. You came to a church, somebody invited you, and you came and you listened and you received Christ. But more than likely, it was someone in your life who was a doer of the word. They weren't satisfied with just hearing; they were in your sphere of influence, and somehow they ministered to you. Either they shared it with you, could have been your parents, could have been a friend, could have been a coworker, somebody. That, that all of a sudden they are living out the Word of God in their life and you were, you were enticed or, or you were drawn to it by, somehow. And it's more than likely that they are the ones that had the influence in you. They were living, doing the Word out there. And it drew you to salvation somehow. Preaching... is is just one aspect of doing the Word. It's a small aspect of doing the Word. More often than not, the Word goes out by people who are active in their Christian walk. They are living the Word out in people's lives. That's how usually people are influenced by Christ. Because somebody else, like, shared with you, or lived that that life, and that you're looking at them going, there's something different. What is it about you? That attracts me to what you're doing. It's kind of weird, but it's kind of attracting me to why do you live the way you do? People are drawn to that. You see, when you're living an active Christian life, people are watching and people are drawn to it. They may, may, may be making fun of you the whole time, but they are drawn to you. Because when push comes to shove and those people that are making fun of you are in trouble, guess who they go to? the one that's been actively living out their life. They see that and they go, hey, I know I've made fun of you, um, but I'm going through this. And you're able to share. James is not dealing with the subject of salvation here. He is writing to those who are already saved. That's that's who is listening to this. He is dealing more here with the subject of maturity. He is calling you as Christians, calling us as Christians, to mature. To not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. One who who hears the word only, and is not a doer, will probably never get into the deeper things of God. They will never go down deep. They will be superficial and surface level, for the most part. Because the deeper things of God is doing what the Word of God says. People have asked, um, they want to know the deeper things of God. They, they, They want to know what it means to really know God. And my response, oftentimes, is, well, read the Word and do what it says. And you will get into the deeper things of God. But I know sometimes they come back, it's like, no, 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 I, I, I want to know all these things about God. It's like, well, great, you will have all the knowledge you need. But if you're not doing it, you will always, you, you might be an intellect and knowing, but if you're doing nothing with it, what good is it? The, 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 those people, they, they love the head knowledge. They want to know. But I truly believe that the motivating factor behind doing is when all this knowledge is now, all this head knowledge is now brought down into a heart knowledge. And you begin to do. Because all of a sudden it's come from just knowing to now beginning to to have a passion and a desire to, to let it out. And once you begin to let it out from the heart, man, things start changing in your life because, man, it's just not up here, it's down here, and it kind of hurts. It kind of hurts. You want to, to to give other people what you now have in your heart because it's so personal because you've begun to do instead of just here and it's like, i got to give this out. I want other people to understand what is going on in my life. What happens when you begin to to feel it or to have it in your heart and not just in your head, is that you begin to pour yourself out all of a sudden. All of a sudden you want to put yourself out there for other people. You begin to do what you've heard and what you have received. What good is a sponge? What good is a sponge if it never releases what it has absorbed? What good is it? Once it, re- once it absorbs so much, that's it. <laughs> that's it. It works better when you absorb with the sponge, and then you wring it out, and then you can go absorb more, and then you can go wring it out, and you absorb, you know, it works better that way. A sponge, that's what a sponge is supposed to do. But if you just absorb it, it's like, wow, there goes that. You know, there's, it's, it's no good anymore. Unless you squeeze it out and all of a sudden it's like it begins to to do what it's supposed to do. As I was thinking about a sponge, I also thought about the Dead Sea in Israel. The Dead Sea is probably one of the lowest points on the earth. But all the fresh water from the Jordan River that starts way up north comes through the Galilee, which comes in and goes out. But that that, that that Jordan River flows between Israel and Jordan and it goes all the way down to the Red Sea, or the, not the, de- the Red Sea, the Dead Sea. It goes all the way down to the r- Dead Sea and guess what? The Dead Sea has no outlet. And it's dead. Hence the name. It's dead. There is no life in it. Because it takes in, it takes in and it never gives out. so salty that you can just float on it. (laughs) The salt contact because it just evaporates there and it does nothing. There's no life to it. And that's the same thing that happens in a Christian life where you uh, receive it all, but there's never an outlet. You become dead and stagnant and salty. (laughs) There's no life because there's nothing going out. And you feel like, well, I'm receiving. It's like, no, a hearer of the Word who is not a a, a, a doer of the Word, he says, is deceiving himself. Deceiving himself. He, he, He is cheating himself by false reasoning while I'm hearing all this. But you're doing nothing with it. Because they hear, but they never do, more often than not, the hearer who is not a doer, is more likely to fall into temptation on a regular basis. He is more likely to not have discernment in his life and the things of God of what he should be doing and not doing because he's just a hearer. He's not a doer. He's not practicing the, his Christian faith on a regular basis. And more often than not, he just could become stagnant. And he lies to himself because while well, I sit here and I listen but I, 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 uh, I do nothing with it. You're deceiving yourself. A doer of the word responds to the hearing of the word. He responds in a way that he becomes active in his walk. He begins to do something with it. <laughs> and there's some maturity that, 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 that occurs because of it. Because he's experiencing life because he understands a little bit more of what it means to do the Word of God, he's growing in his faith. It actually becomes real. When you become a doer, this Christian life becomes real because you're acting on it. You're doing something with it. Things are happening in your life and you're experiencing life. You're experiencing what it means to be a a, a Christian. Be a doer of the word. And what often happens is you become not addicted, I don't want to use the word addicted, but you become a doer on a continual basis because you understand what it's doing in your life. And some of you guys have experienced this in your life. Some of you have been saved and you've sat there for a long time, and all of a sudden something stirs within you and you begin to do, and you're going, Man, what? Why did I sit here for so long and do nothing in my life? And I'm not just talking about sitting in the church. I mean, just in your life in general, you did nothing with it. And all of a sudden, you begin to pour yourself out, and you become a doer of the Word, and all of a sudden, you're going, why wasn't I doing this before? You cheated yourself. You deceived yourself for all those years. And many of you guys have testimony upon testimony of of when God stirred stirred your heart, and you began to do all of a sudden there was things happening in your life that you're going, whoa, these things are, are a blessing in my life. Things are happening. It, it's interesting because again, James is dealing with those who are saved here. But the cross-reference in my Bible here takes us back to Matthew chapter 7 on the ser- with the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And I will be teaching this portion in a few weeks. Uh, it's time, I guess I'm finished. There goes the alarm. You wouldn't be so lucky. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. It's interesting because, again, James is talking to the saved, but Jesus, as he's talking to his disciples, he says something so profound that it should wake us up. (laughs) Because in verse 21, here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this in chapter 7 of Matthew, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. In, in this cross-reference of mine here, Jesus is dealing with those who had this false sense of security that they were saved, but they were not. When they when they come into his presence and they say, but didn't we do all these things? He says, I never knew you. They, they knew about it. They understood it up here, but it never really came from the heart. And, and Jesus said, I never knew you, depart from me. Man, that's hardcore, man. I, don't, I, I wouldn't want any of us to hear that when you get there going, but didn't I do because I learned so much? Didn't I know all these things? And he says, y- yeah, you played a great game. <laughs> but it was all a game. It never really penetrated your heart. It was always up here, but it never reached your heart. And my heart is that you will never have that kind of false sense of security that you are saved. For you that are sitting here, that you will never be in a place where it's like, well, am I saved or ain't I saved? Or aren't I saved? Well, whatever the word is. That you will never have that false sense of security. That you will know in your heart that you know Jesus, because you are a doer of the Word and the intent of your heart is pure because you do it on a regular basis. There is evidence of your salvation because you're a doer of the Word and not just a hearer only. Understand this. God will take you just the way you are. He truly will. He will take you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. He wants to grow you up. He has saved you so he could pour out his love into you so you can grow in that love and share it with other people. He wants to mature you. Moving on to verse 23 and 24. You're thinking, are you sure we're going to finish? Yes, we will. Oh, geez. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mir- in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. James gives us a picture here of a man who, who looks into the mirror, walks away, and can't remember what he looked like. And you're thinking, how is that possible? You've always looked in the mirror. You, you, you know what you look like, but this man walks away and forgets what kind of man he is. A, a mirror is used to reflect an image. And when we stand in front of a mirror, it shows us exactly what we look like. Exactly. Unless you're at the carnival and you get those weird kind of things. Maybe that is you. It's like, wow, look at that mirror. No, that's the way your body looks. Um, But it will show you exactly what you look like. I, for one, cannot walk in front of a mirror without looking into it. Yes, I am that vain. I am so vain. I am so vain. Sometimes it's just a glance, just to see that every hair is in place. Sometimes it's just like, you know, just to like... There you are. <laughs> other times it's for, for a closer examination, make sure everything's trimmed up and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but it will never lie to me. It will never lie to me. It will tell me exactly what needs to happen <laughs> when I look in the mirror. The other day, my wife and I, we were up in Visalia and we were coming home. And uh, we, we got to Bakersfield and we thought, "Hey, let's grab something to eat. And earlier I had rolled down my window for a little bit. But anyway, we were in there and and we go in order and we're sitting there for a time and, and, and stuff like that. And it and it wasn't until um, we were done and I had gone into the restroom. And every time I go to the restroom and I wash my hands, I always have to comb my hair. I always do. I always do that. Um, I always have to have a comb with me. But I, I, I go and wash my hair and I look. And because I had the window rolled down, my hair was like up like this. And I looked like Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. I had this little thing hanging down right here. And I'm looking at I'm going, you're kidding me. You know, and I go out, my wife is sitting there finishing up. I go, honey, how come you didn't tell me I look like Squiggy? I don't know. Maybe my wife likes that little thing coming down like that. I don't know, but she didn't. She never told me anything. Not that she was lying to me, but she just like whatever. He looked like a dork most of the time, anyways. But, but we have gone in. We had ordered. You know, we're we're sitting there for a while. I go back for a refill. It's like, hey, how you doing? You know, um, and it's like I look like Squeaky. Jeez. But it wasn't until I went to the mirror that it told me exactly what I looked like even though my wife is gazing into my eyes there, and never once said, let me fix that for you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the person that James is talking about here doesn't take the time to make changes when he looks into the mirror. He, he, he looks into the mirror, he sees what needs cleaning, straightening out, And combing, but he walks away and never gives it another thought. That's who he's talking about here. The man that walks away and forgets what he looks like. He knows what he should do, but he doesn't do it. A hearer of the word only doesn't remember what the word of God says on a regular basis. He may glance into it, and it may have gone into his hearing but it really didn't penetrate his heart to where he took action after he viewed it, after he looked into the mirror. It never penetrated. It never motivated him to do something about what he saw in the reflection. If we take our time in the Word, it will be like a mirror to us. And it will show us what needs to change. And we will act on it. The doer does. He will act on it. And when he walks away, he has confidence as to who he is in Christ and what others see in in him. He will have that confidence because he has taken the time to make the changes because he's, he's looked into the mirror. We are to reflect the image that we see in the Word of God, which is Jesus. The longer we spend time in the Word and it becomes a mirror, the reflection that we will see is Jesus. And we should be taking on that reflection. We should be desiring to have that reflection, to go and do what we've been asked to go and do from Him. We take on that reflection that we see in the Word of God. Second Corinthians three, seventeen and eighteen. Says Now the Spirit now the now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are to take on that reflection of glory that we get from the Word of God. Verse 25, I like the way the Amplified puts this. He says in, in the Amplified, But he who looks carefully into the flawless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to, do, to, to it, and perseveres in looking into it, being not a hearless." heedless listener who forgets but an active doer who obeys he shall be blessed in his doing his life of obedience james once again he gets to the point he gets to the crux of what we are to do he gives us personal application here in verse 25 of what we are to do when we have been instructed. He has been giving us the instructions and and He tells us what to do. And if we do it, He says, it will go well with you. You will be blessed in what you do. The word looks here means peering into an intense, deep, and sustained look. It's different from a glance. It's a glare. A glare to to where you are fixing your eyes on to look carefully into, inspect curiously. It carries with it the meaning of one who, who bends aside, that is to lean over, to peer within, stoop down for a closer look. It's interesting because in my office at, at home... There's, you know, they, we have these big old mirrors sliding doors. And so I'm doing this as I'm sitting there and I'm, I, I'm like, okay, leaning into, oh, for a closer look. So I'm, that's what I'm doing in my office. Um, that's what it means to peer into the word of God, into the law of liberty, where you get closer to get a closer look. And you see a lot more when you get closer, too. You understand a lot more of what's really going on there. The Word of God is not to be read like a newspaper. It's not to be read as a cute little story. It reveals Jesus. It reveals who He is. There is life and there is liberty, freedom in the Word of God because it's able to save our souls. That's how powerful it is. And that's why we need to read it carefully to understand what it's saying, we need to peer into it. And it will reveal Jesus. And it will show us just what we are to do and how we're to look like Him. We are to act like the image that we see in the Word of God. The perfect law of liberty that we read here is the Word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us. Who, who, who came to fulfill the law so that we might fulfill the law of Christ, which is love. Again, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shares in Matthew 5, 17, when Gary taught it, He says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And in John 8, 30, 31 and 32, Jesus said to those, Jews who believed him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free jesus who is the law of liberty sets us free he gives us freedom the a a, a doer of the word continues in the perfect law of liberty he, he, he is faithful to it, and he perseveres into looking into it on a continual basis. It's, it 's it's a, it's a present tense. he doesn't say, "I will look into it tomorrow." it is a present tense that he looks in it every day, day by day. Today, you are to look into the word of the, the, the perfect law of liberty, and so we continue in it. That practical application that He gives us there, it's a practical application. If you do this, if you read your Word on a daily basis, it will eventually become your lifestyle. You will begin to reflect that on a regular basis because as you're peering into it, as you're digging into it on a daily basis, you take on the image that you see in the Word of God, which is Jesus. All of a sudden, He becomes your life. (laughs) And that's what you want other people to be seeing is Jesus, not you. But it's a practical application that He's given us here. Do this on a regular basis and it will be your lifestyle. If you allow it to become your lifestyle, the mirror, that, or the image that's on the mirror, the perfect law of liberty then it will begin to rule you. It will begin to guide you. You will go to that and stay within that rule, the rule of liberty. Look at what the end of that verse says. This one will be blessed in what he does. You should underline that. This one will be blessed in what he does. That word blessed is the same Greek word that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning in the Beatitudes where he says, Blessed is the man, blessed is the man, blessed is the man. It's the same word that James uses in in verse 12 where he says, Blessed is the man that endures or who endures temptation. It is that same Greek word. It means happy, fortunate, well off is the man. The instruction is clear. James has gotten to the point. The doer will be blessed. He will. It is a promise. It's a guarantee that those who are doing the word of God will be blessed. Listen to to what Psalms uh, 1 through 3 says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. James is not kidding when he writes that. And nor shall we be kidding ourselves because we will be deceiving ourselves and thinking that we are that it's good enough just to hear the word. We are to do the word and we will be blessed. Verse 26 and 27, as we close off here, he says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, uh, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans And widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. James gives us a picture of what pure religion is not and what it is, what it looks like here. And the first part, again, reminds me of what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, 1 through 8, where he's talking about the religious leaders who, who trumpet what they're going to do. They they, 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 they they say a lot of words, but they never really do inside. He, he, Jesus said that, that they do this to be seen of men, but their hearts are empty. You see, God sees what's in the heart and the motives of the heart before he sees the deeds. That's what he is more interested in. And a man can boast all he wants about what he knows and what he intends to do. But if he never does them, it is worthless. He never takes action. It says that he he deceives, he misleads, and seduces his own heart. That's what that word deceive means. This man's religion, as James says, is worthless, futile, fruitless, and useless. It's good for nothing because it's all talk and no walk. On the other hand, pure and undefiled religion he shares here is where the talk is matching the walk. What you say you end up doing, there's action behind it. He's just not a hearer of the word. He is going and doing. He's active and growing. And because of that, the doer is better able to put things in perspective because he is experiencing life on a regular basis. And and he's dealing with, with, with the things that come his way on a regular basis. The trials and the temptations in your life are not looking as big or as difficult as you see what others are going through, the orphans and the widows. All of a sudden you put things in perspective going, wow, I'm not going through that but you're doing something on their behalf to minister to them. And it seems that your actions in other people's lives serves as a blessing to you as you give. As you're ministering, you're getting blessed in return because you are a doer of the Word and not just a hearer of the Word. It seems that a doer of the Word is too busy doing for others to really be concerned with the cares of this world. Oh, they're very much real. But his confidence is in the one that he reflects. And all of a sudden he's like, Lord, I'd rather give than to receive here. It's much easier for me to pour out than to do nothing. Because it becomes your lifestyle. I want to encourage you that maybe God has been challenging you this morning because you've been a believer and you know you're saved. And God's challenging you to be a doer. Now understand this. When I'm talking about being a doer, I'm not saying, now you've got to be a doer here in church. Now go go hang out with the kids back there. Do Sunday school. No. That, 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 that's not what I want to convey. Be a doer in your life on a regular basis. Be a doer in your home. Start there. Do the word at home. And your spouse will be blown away. Your husband, your wife will be blown away if you begin to be a doer in your home. Your kids will trip out because all of a sudden you're saying or you're doing what you're saying. So I don't want you to to misunderstand that I'm saying, hey, be a doer because we need help here. No, if the Lord leads you in that, you do that. But you be a doer in your home. Be a doer in your job. Be a doer wherever you find yourself. As you peer into the Word of God, begin to do it, and wherever you find yourself, you will be a doer of the Word. It's not about doing ministry here. It's about living a lifestyle of, that reflects Jesus in our lives. Amen? Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father, I do want to thank you and praise you for this portion of Scripture, Lord. God, I, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here. For those who are already doing the word, they, they're living it out, Lord. I pray that you would give them the strength that they need day in and day out, Lord God. They understand by experience of what it means to be a doer, Lord God. Bless them, Lord. Encourage them every day. Lord, for my brothers and sisters who have been convicted this morning, that, Lord, they have been sitting there and just hearing the word without doing it, even in their own homes, Lord. I pray God that even this morning as you have convicted their hearts that there would be repentance in their lives that they would they would come to you Lord God and desire to do your will to do your word I pray God that you would show them what they're to do as you as they look into your word reveal it to them Father I do pray God that maybe there's some here this morning who have never Never given themselves over. They've heard, they've come, but they've never submitted to you. And right now, brothers and sisters, as you're praying, I just want to throw it out to you because maybe you're here today and you've heard about Jesus, but you've never acted on it. And today, God has brought you here to bring salvation into your life. This message has been mainly for the believer, but you've been sitting there going, I don't even know Jesus. I need him in my life. I've heard it, but I've never acted on it. And all I want you to do is just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you right now. Is there anybody here, bless you, anybody else, that in your life you know you need Jesus? God bless you. Anybody else? I don't want to hurry it up, because I know, I know that, that, that you, you, you came here and you're going, whoa, I want to be a doer. There's about five of you guys here. And in your heart right now, just ask God to forgive you of your sins. Thank Him that He came and died for your sins and that He wants to make you a new person. I just want to pray for you right now. Father, for those who have raised their hand right now, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would touch them and you would come into them as they have raised their hand in acknowledgement that they need you, Lord. I pray that Father you would become real to them, Lord that right now they would know that you they have become born again, the Spirit of God has come into them and they are a new creations. Lord, lead them and guide them in your truth that Father you would teach them by your spirit. I thank you, Father for bringing them here Lord I pray for the rest for my brothers and sisters that God you would use them to continue to minister to those in their in their sphere of influence, the people that they are around, that they would continue to be doers of the word. And we bless your holy name and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you